Welcome, church. Good to see everyone today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? Uh, welcome, online church. So glad you are part of this service. I pray that everyone has an encounter with the Lord. That's my prayer, guys. That's my prayer. Uh, before we jump into the message, I wanted to share uh, a little bit. You know, we just started last Monday, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, and you can be a part of that. Actually, it's, it ends on, on, on January 30th. But I was so encouraged with a number of people that are participating in this. If you go to thorncreek.church slash 21 days, you can sign up. We're using Sign Up Genius, and you'll be able to sign up for a 30-minute time slot to pray. And uh, when I went in there, um, a lot of you beat me there, beat me to there before I got showed up. And it was like, I couldn't even find a spot to pray. So I haven't prayed for like four days because I couldn't find a spot to pray. No, but it was just so encouraging as a pastor to see the church pray. You know, a, a church that prays is a powerful church. I expect great things from God when a church prays. So um, if you haven't done so already, go to that thorncreek.church slash 21 days site and sign up to pray. And let's just keep filling it up. It's so encouraging when you see other people praying and signing up for praying. So thank you so much. So thank you. Uh, God, we uh, we humble ourselves before you. And, and Lord, I... I uh, I humble myself before you again. <laughs> I feel like I do it again and again, Lord. It just doesn't stop. And by your grace, I just uh, pray you you work in me and through me. I want to be a good vessel for you, Lord. Use my uh, lips of, of clay. And uh, may your word pass through uh, these lips, God. And may your word fall on, on good ground. I pray that you stir hearts. I pray that you change hearts, transform hearts. I pray that people are permanently changed from your word, God. Holy Spirit, move here. Holy Spirit, take a hold of the person who's watching online right now and give them encouragement and hope and draw them closer to you, Jesus. Abba, Father, I pray that we see you in a new light. May your love transform us, completely transform us, transform the way we look at people and the way we look at things and our relationships and everything, God. May we be changed. So Holy Spirit, have your way here. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this church is such a, a loving church. Over 18 years, almost 18 years, I have heard so many stories of how this church loves. And maybe you've been the recipient of some of that love, um, or maybe you've been a giver of some of that love. But uh, we've had people, even most recently, um, during Christmas, we had families adopt other families and, and give them Christmas presents and just love on them, and it was their idea, and they just wanted to do that. They initiated it. Um, during Thanksgiving, we had uh, three ladies, three senior adult godly saint women, and they went to go be with another uh, senior adult woman who couldn't get out of her apartment, and she didn't have any family, so they went to go do Thanksgiving with this woman uh, in her apartment on Thanksgiving Day. That's a loving thing to do. Um, we've had uh, people give away their cars to other members, to other families here in the church. We've had families take in teenagers to, to just love on them and encourage them and to be a safe place. Um, we have had um, so many people have delivered meals to other people when they were going through hard times. I, I remember when, when I went through my COVID experience, I was overwhelmed with the love of this church. Um, so many, uh, so many, uh, it's, it's really hard uh, when you're the recipient of love. It's very humbling. We always like to be the giver of love. But when you're the recipient of love, it changes you. There's, both of them change you. But I, I remember, uh, you know, I heard people were shoveling our snow, you know, on, on, on the driveway. And, and, and my son was living in Nashville at the time. And people were calling him up in Nashville just making sure he was okay and praying with him over the phone. And so many examples. I can go on and on and on. This church is an incredibly 
loving church. And it's such an honor to be part of a church that is loving. And uh, I, I've, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Now, this series we're, we're in, uh, it's called Thorn Creek Soul. And what we're doing is we're, uh, we're, we're looking at what is the church about? Um, in our case, what is Thorn Creek about? What's the DNA of Thorn Creek? Why do we do what we do, what, what motivates us, what fuels us. So today we're looking at love, and uh, everybody say love out loud. Say love. Now say it in Spanish. You know what it is in Spanish? Amor, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, so it's just uh, a beautiful word. Uh, I, I think there's some uh, misunderstandings of that word we're going to look through. But if you were to visit us uh, physically on, uh, at this location, in the front of the windows of our, of our church, you would see our core values. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this in the front, that in the front, it's, it's love and it's relationships and it's transformation. Those are the three legs of Thorn Creek Church. That's what we stand on, and that's what motivates us. And today, we're talking about love and, and what that looks like at a real tangible, tangible level. Um, have you noticed how much we enjoy stories of love? Anybody enjoy stories of love, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever it is? There's something that we're like, like I believe we need love. We have a desire to love and we have a desire to be loved as well, don't we? That's a, just a desire that we have. You know, we love our family. We love our kids. We love our friends. We love that music. We love our sports or whatever it is. Uh, we love the Broncos. Um, you know, we, we love our pets. Anybody love our pets? Yep. Um, here's a picture of my dog, Caddy. Uh, my, my daughter took this picture. She loves Caddy. Um, and, and I have a, a little bit of a hard time with this dog. I'm convinced he's come to know Jesus, but he's definitely not sanctified yet. And that's like the worst kind of Christian. And, uh, and that's where he's at. But um, let me just tell you about my dog. My dog is not one of those doodle dogs. You know what I'm talking about? He is not. Those doodle dogs, they're not real dogs. I just want you to know that. They don't shed or anything like that. So he's not a Labradoodle or a Cocker Spaniel Doodle or an Aussie Doodle or a Golden Doodle or, or Schnauzer Doodle. You know, he's not like any of those things. Those things need batteries and they just start, you know, my dog, my dog came straight out of Compton. I'm just telling you, that's where my dog, my dog could handle the streets. He has no problem. A Doodle Dog wouldn't last a day on the streets. It wouldn't last a day. But my dog, let me show you what he brought home one day. He had it in his mouth, and he has a huge squirrel. Part of me was just impressed that he got this big old thing. I don't know where he got it from, but he got it. And uh, I, I think about my dog compared to doodle dogs. My dog, he'll own the streets. I mean, he'll live on the streets. Uh, my dog will find a way to survive. He can eat a licensed plate and poop it out. That's just my dog. He's like a goat. He'll eat anything. So, But I'm not real connected. I mean, I, let me say it differently. I care about my dog very much. I, I don't love the dog, and my dog is always trying to get me to love the dog. She's always asking me, do you love him? Do you love him? And I said, no, I don't love him, but I care about him. And you know what she did? She had a, an, a decal sticker made, and without my permission, she put it on my car. It's a, it's a silhouette of exactly Caddy. And, and uh, to, you know, they were taking a picture of it, and I thought it was just horrible. And I took it off. I just scraped it off, and she said, Dad, I have more. And uh, so, but, <laughs> but uh, I want to share this love story with you because um, we say, we, we throw that word around love a lot. We throw it around a lot. And, and this really is a love story. The, the, the author behind this is a loving God. And, and, and I'm going to start with the famous verse, uh, probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, for God, and let's say those two words out loud, for God so loved, so loved. If you're watching online, type so loved. For God, one more time, church, the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this verse tells us that God loved the world so much, so much, that he gave his one and only son. 
He gave his one and only son to the world so that people could experience the forgiveness of sins and they would not perish but have eternal life. But it was God's love. God so loved the world. So there, we have this God who loves. And I, I, little, I did a little study on John chapter 3, verse 16, and I looked at this word loved. In the Greek language, there's, there's four words that define love. But we use the word love a lot. I mean, whether you love your dog or you love, you know, whatever, crawfish at or whatever it is. But in the Greek language, there's four words. And here, for God so loved, the word loved literally means agape. Say agape with me, agape. And, and here's what agape love is. Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. That's agape loved. It's for God so agape loved the world. I mean, this is a love that's sacrificial and is willing to suffer inconvenience and there's discomfort and even death and without expecting anything in return. Um, it's the kind of love God has for you. That's the love God has for you. For God so agape loved the world. That's exactly what has fueled and motivated the heart of God. And it's exactly what fuels us as well as a church. We want people to know this love of God. But I think here's the problem when it comes to the love of God. is Our problem is we compare it to the love we have for others. We compare it to the love we have, or we compare it to the love that we have received from others. And that's the problem right there, because we're pretty selfish people. Our love is conditional. Our love has strings attached. How many times has somebody said, I love you, and then they walked out on you? Or how many times have they said, I love you, but then they talked about you behind your back? Or I love you, and they also treated you harshly. See, our love is very different. Our love can be cold. Our love can walk out and not think twice. Our love can be rude. Our love can be, can be uh, full of expectations. I'll love you, but I expect this from you. Or I love you, but I'm expecting a return from you. I love you, but I expect you to pay back. You know, our love has limits. I love you, but I don't want to see you. I love you, but I don't want to be with you. I love you, but I can't stand you. I love you, but I don't, I don't want to have anything, anything to do with you. It could be impatient. It could be rash. And I really believe, I really believe if we understand this agape love, it will change the way you see things. And let me just say it like this. Um, let me just say it like this. Um, you need to understand this agape love. I think a big reason um, why we struggle with this stuff is, first of all, because our own love is very limiting, and we know it is. And the other thing is, maybe you've seen someone in your life and it has not been a good example of agape love. And we kind of transfer that and we say, okay, God is like this, or he's fed up with me, or he's, he's upset at me now, or he gave up on me, or whatever it is. Um, sometimes people are hard to love, aren't they? Do you know anyone who's just hard to love? You want to love them, but they're hard to love? I came across an article called uh, Seven Signs You Might be hard to love. The title was Tough Love. And uh, I'm going to share these because you may be hard to love and you may not know it. So I, I want to help you out because the people who live with you or know you, they know you're hard to love sometimes. So um, you're welcome. And here's, here's number one. Uh, you might be hard to love. Here it is. Um, you don't know how to apologize. If you don't know how to apologize, it's really hard to love because you're, you're so stubborn. 
and, and, and you're, you rarely apologize, and you've got so much stubbornness and pride inside of you, you just rarely say those, those scary words, I'm sorry. Um, number two is this, you're unpredictable. People don't know what mood you'll be in. People don't know how you're going to feel today. People don't know where you're at, so it's hard to love you because they just don't know who you're going to be. Number three is this, is, is you hold on to old baggage. You hold on to grudges. You remember them like it was yesterday. You hold on to pain and hurt and this kind of thing. The problem with that is if that's what you do, you're definitely hard to love, but you will never, never fully embrace love either. Never. Or you put up emotional walls. You put up these emotional walls. You do not let anyone get past the wall, over the wall, through the wall. And you just kind of very proud, like, carry this. And you can never truly love or be loved when you walk around with emotional walls up all the time. It's really hard to love. Number five is this. You're self-destructive. If you drink excessively or incessantly self deprecating or engage in self-destructive behaviors, you're going to be hard to love. They're trying to love you, but you keep hurting yourself. That's hard. Number six is this. You're bad at communicating. You can't talk through disagreements. You just can't. And it's really hard to reconcile with you. It's really hard to work through someone like that. And it's just hard to love. And the last one is this. You don't believe you deserve to be loved. If you don't believe you deserve to be loved, you have a hard time loving yourself. You have a hard time cherishing yourself. You have a hard time receiving love from others. There's always a motive someone has, always an agenda, and you just never receive love. And I want to say this to all of us, and if that's you, I want you to hear this. You need to saturate yourself in God's agape love. You need to throw yourself into God's Agape love. Get to know that love. Read, read God's word. Ask God to change your heart. When, 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 when you throw yourself, saturate yourself in God's agape love, it'll change the way you view people. It'll change the way you view your enemies, those who've hurt you and slandered against you. It'll change all of those memories you have in your past. It'll change your capacity to forgive others. Agape loves. Throw yourself, saturate yourself in this agape love. You will not worry nearly as much because you will know God loves you. And if he loves you, you have nothing to worry about. You will not be walking around with anxiety and stress or any of those things because you know you are the object of God's agape love. You won't worry about your future. You won't worry about your purpose. You'll live with this secure, this secure truth that God loves you and, and he's with you and you don't have to worry about anything. It'll change everything. God's agape love for you. Jesus said this in John chapter three. Here we go, guys. We're gonna look at some scripture. Jesus said this, a new command I give you. And what does it say? Read those three words out loud, guys. Love one another. Now that's that's okay. We we hear that, and, and, and but but there's it's not done. It's as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So first of all, you are not the one that defines love. You are not the one that defines kindness. You are not the one that defines care. You are not the one that defines mercy. You don't get to do that. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. See, the agape love of God is the standard. You don't get to set the standard. The love of Jesus is the standard. In fact, this word, love one another, literally the Greek word there means agape one another. That sacrificial love. 
that love that doesn't have an end, that love that's just enduring, that love that doesn't expect anything, that love that took Jesus to the cross ultimately. As I have loved you. When you look at John chapter 3 and you read the words in, in that chapter, it's really interesting because in John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. And this is the part where Jesus says, take my body, which is given for you, and, and take, my, take, my, take my, my, my blood, which is poured out for you for this new covenant. And, and so he's talking about the cross. He's talking about ultimate sacrifice, and he's saying this is what's going to happen. And in the same chapter, you know what else you see? You see Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, including Judas. Including Judas. You see Jesus take this humble servant attitude on and he takes this knee and he's like okay i'm gonna wash the feet of the disciples and he talks to them about the lord's supper and then in the same chapter he says i want you to love one another and as i have loved you in fact he says it's a new command now this word new does not mean it's like a brand new invention this love you know what it means literally in the original language it means this fresh fresh. It's like, it's a fresh command. It's not a new command, like as far as like it's never been invented before, but it's a fresh, it's the opposite of outworn. It doesn't mean different. It's not like a love that was invented. It's presented in a new and fresh way. It's a new, it's a fresh Command. We're going to dust it off, and I'm going to show you what it looks like. And Jesus takes a knee, and he washes the feet of the disciples, and then he talks to him about his bread and his body and the blood and, and the cross. He talks about sacrifice, and he says, now, 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 I'm going to give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Do you feel that? That way? And Jesus is saying, you do not get to define what love is. Because we're marred by sin, and our love is so conditional. Our love has all kinds of strings attached to it. And Jesus says, love as I have loved you, agape love. And then verse 35, he says, by this, say by this out loud, church, by this. Look at this, everyone online. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Wow. See, Jesus is saying that, that this is the identifying mark of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. This is the identifying mark. It's by this kind of agape love. It wasn't that love for the outside world was not important or relevant, but it wasn't first. This is the measure of true spiritual maturity. This is the mark. It's kind of like when you go to Starbucks and, and you order a drink and, and, you know, you're waiting for the barista to get your drink and what do they do? They call your name. They put the cup on the end and, and, and uh, if you're like me, you'll pick up that cup and you'll read the ingredients to make sure it's your drink, right? It's like, okay, this one has sugar-free vanilla. <laughs> That's me. You know what it is? And you're like, okay, I know, I know this latte is mine. And it's the same thing. The identifying mark that you belong to God is the agape love inside of you. Like somebody lifts you up like with a cup and looks inside and says, oh yeah, I see that love. He really or she really knows God. That look, look at that ingredient. Look at the inside. Oh, you can see it. They really do. That's the identifying mark. It's not your knowledge of the Bible. It's not your knowledge of the Bible. It's not how many times you were raised in church. It's not how many times you preach. It's none of that. It's not, it's, not, it's not even how much you give. All of those are expressions of our surrender to the Lord, and that's part of our faith. But the identifying mark is your love. See, the message behind this whole thing is the church should be the best example of love on the planet. The church should have a love that's not like the world. 
The way the church loves should be unique and distinct. It should be agape love. Agape love. You know, there's some churches you know that haven't had that kind of love. There's people who stopped going to church years ago because they didn't get agape love. And they felt it. Or their parents didn't get agape love and they were dissatisfied and they left the church and they haven't been in church for years and years and years now. You know stories like that. The church should be the best example on the planet, in the world, of what the love of God looks like. Because it's different from someone who doesn't know God. It should be different from someone who is not a follower of Christ. It should be different from someone who just doesn't have that relationship with God. The church should be the best example of love on the planet. Thorn Creek should love like no other. And we do. I want to become better lovers, don't you? Don't you want people to come? You know, it's amazing the power of, of love when, when like, the old 80s song just popped in my head. But <laughs> amazing when you love, when you, when you love, uh, uh, when people come and, and see love, they're like, oh, I haven't, I haven't felt this love in a long time. And they're strangely attracted because we have a desire to be loved. And they're strangely attracted to that. And you say, come on in. And they say, but I'm not dressed right. And you say, come on in anyway. But I, I, I'm not really where you guys are at. It's all right. Come on in. Well, I'm not sure. I haven't been in church. Well, come on in. We're going to agape love you. You want to you introduce someone to God? Agape love them. Your agape love will be will, will weigh more than your knowledge. Your agape love will transform. God will use you in greater ways if you learn to agape love. Sometimes you've got to agape love those living under your same roof, Right? Sometimes that's where it starts. You get, I'm going to agape love you. You've getting on my nerves. I'm tired or whatever it is, but I'm going to choose to agape love you. I'm going to continue to agape love you. Sometimes when we've been with people for a long time, the jokes aren't funny anymore. They're just annoying. You know what I mean? See, you know, the things that we're like, okay, I've been with you for so long. Maybe you work with someone or you live with someone, whatever it is, you choose to agape love people. Agape love is incredibly powerful. And when you look at the early church, we're going to go back to the first three centuries. In the first three centuries, the Christian church just grew like crazy. It was amazing. And in fact, uh, there was no other time in the history of Christianity that characterized the entire church as it did the first three centuries. Roman society, not the book of Romans, but Roman society, because Rome ruled. Tertullian, who was a historian, reported that the Romans, these are pagan people, would say, see how they love one another. That's what they would say about the early Christians. Look how they love one another. You know why they would say that? In the first three centuries, there were two really bad plagues, horrible plagues. And people were so afraid of dying. If you sneezed or coughed or whatever it was, they would kick you out onto the streets because they feared death. So the unbelievers would say, you know what, um, we don't want to die in our house, so we're going to kick our family member or whoever it is out onto the street, and guess who went to the street to love on the sick? Christians. Before hospitals were invented, Christians paved the way for hospitals. Christians would go and care for them. And of course, science was invo involved during those days. So they would just love on them and feed them and, and, and really make sure they were comfortable and, and do everything they could just, just to help them get along. And, and they would love on these people. A lot of Christians died during those days, but an incredible thing happened. An incredible thing happened. Christianity exploded. One of the, one of the plagues was known as the Antonine Plague, and, and uh, historians have said that it killed off a quarter of the Roman Empire. 25% of the Roman Empire, people died. But Christians cared for the sick in the midst of all that. See, our love should be unique. Agape love, it should be distinct. One uh, sociologist and religious demographer, uh, Rodney Stark, claims that death rates in cities with Christian communities may have been just half that of other cities. 
during the first three centuries. Isn't that amazing? Because they loved on people. Isn't that beautiful? They cared about them. And if you were in a community, if you were in a city with Christians, your survival rate was much stronger because they loved a century later, the, the actively pagan Roman emperor Julian, uh, who, who would, uh, would complain bitterly of how the Galileans would care for even non-Christian sick people. And the church historian Pontinus recounts how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. So the way the early church loved in the first three centuries, they had their own COVID. And it was, there was no remedy, there was no vaccine, there was nothing, but they loved. They were so transformed by the agape love of God. They cared about the spiritual life, that soul, and they wanted that soul to know Jesus. So they literally risked their life to love on others. That has nothing to do with the Roman oppression that they were facing as well. This is just the way they loved in the middle of a pandemic. Is your love unique? Do you love differently? Do people look at your love and say, wow, you must be one of them. You've got to be a follower. of. You've got to know God. You've got to know that God. I want you to hear this. The love of the church should stand out. The love of the church should stand out. I think love shines best in, in darkness, don't you? I think love shines best when there's oppression, when there's persecution, when there's injustice. I think love shines best when there's suffering. I mean, when things are happening, when everybody else is of the consensus to pick up a rock and throw, and the Christian says, no, we're going to agape love, that love stands out. When everyone else has a reason that love stands out. Jesus said this famously on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. Say that with me out loud, church. Love your enemies. Stay with me now. Pray for those who persecute you. You want to just get a pin out and like mark through this a little bit here? In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. That's your heavenly father. Isn't that beautiful? The sun comes up and hits the face of believers and unbelievers. And he sends rain on believers and unbelievers. He cares for every soul. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want you to hear this. This is what Jesus is saying. You don't get credit for loving people that love you back. That's what he's saying. You don't get credit for loving people that love you back. I'm sorry, parents. You don't get a lot of credit for loving your kid. It's expected that you love your kid. You should love your kid. Children, you should love your parents. That's just a, a gimme. But you should love people who are your enemies, people who can't love you back, people who hurt you, pray for them. You get credit for that kind of love. For God so agape loved the world. That's the love of God. You know, what happens when someone hurts you? I mean, how do you, how do you love them? What happens when you feel like they've taken advantage of you? How do you love them? What happens when, when, when you have that pain inside of you or that person talks behind your back? I mean, how do you, how do you love them? When I look at this, uh, with this, uh, <clears throat> this whole thing and that Jesus just talked about in Sermon on the Mount, one of the things I see is this. Everyone, everyone um, has different capacities to love. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's some people that love those and they love people who love them back. You know, those, and there's other people, if you really want to really shine, if you really want to go to the next level, love people who can't love you back. 
So I have these two uh, reservoirs up here, and, and I, I think about this as love. Um, imagine, uh, this is six gallons. Imagine this whole thing is full of love. Some people have this kind of reservoir of love. You know anyone like that? You run across them, and you just hear love come out of their mouth. They're the first to forgive. They're the first ones to see things from a different perspective. They have mercy. They have compassion. In fact, they many times do things. They're involved in serving. They're involved in the church. They're involved in loving on the poor. They just have a heart for other people. It's just like they're so full, and you just love being around them, and it's just like, gosh, they've got so much love inside of them, and, and I, I, they never say an unkind word, and, and they're just so gracious and so merciful, and oh, I love these people. These people are great, but then there's other people who have a different capacity of love, and it's like this little guy right here. You know what I'm talking about? They really don't love um, like that. Their love is very conditional. They've been hurt maybe a lot. Maybe they hold on to hurt. I don't know. But their love, their capacity to love is different. They may know a lot of scripture or whatever it is. They may have grown up in the church, whatever. But their capacity to love is not the same. Do you know what I'm talking about? Here's the hard, here's the hard thing. When these two people are in relationship with each other, friends or whatever, married or whatever it is, they're just in relationship with each other. It's, it's really, really hard at times for maybe, maybe this guy or this gal, whatever it is, it can be a challenge. Here's what you have to remember when it comes to love, is, is God loved you when you were broken. God loved me when I was broken. For God so agape loved the broken world. And too many times we go into relationships and we say, well, I'm going to go ahead and go into this relationship, but I have conditions. And if they don't do this and they don't do that, and if he just says this or she says that, or you know what, they're gone. And some people have no problem just cutting people out of their life. It's because they have this much love. This is their reservoir. Other people, like, like, like this, and I have, I have missionary friends. I have, you know, Christian friends that have this kind of love. And you know what? Many times this love doesn't make any sense. I'm like, how can you love that person? You saw what they did. And they're like, oh, God sees everything. And it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. But they, they have this Agape love. Aren't you glad God has an agape love for you? Aren't you glad God's love is just great and beautiful? When you look at scripture, you see Jesus loved the broken all the time. The woman at the well, right? She didn't really understand love. But Jesus was so full of love. He goes up and he's hanging out with her and the disciples say, what are you doing hanging out with her? What are you doing, Jesus? But it's that agape love that he had. It's, it's him saying, oh, call that guy over here. What's your name? Bartimaeus. What do you want? It's that agape love of, you know what? Um, <clears throat> whoever's without sin, let him cast that first stone. It's that agape love that was different. And when you look at this, this passage, you see God says, okay, um, and Jesus says, I want you to love, but I want you to love as I have loved you. Which one, which one are you? What, what does your love look like, really? What does it look like? What would people around you say it looks like? Sometimes we have a perspective of ourselves that's not the perspective of others around us, Right? Sometimes we think of ourselves a little bit different. What does that agape love look like? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this. I love 1 John. I read 1 John this morning as I went for a walk with, with actually with my dog. And I sat on a, at a bench and I, I read this and it's just beautiful. Um, John, the apostle, the, the apostle of love wrote this, these words. He penned these words and I think it's so beautiful. It talks about love. He, he says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Think about that for a little bit. Anyone who does not love does not know God for, who, for what? what are those last three words? For God is agape, love. And if you don't love, you can flip that over also. If you don't love, you really don't know agape love. You really don't know God. 
You think you know God, but if you really knew God, if you really knew God, <laughs> your love would be different. If you really knew God. And, and John says, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That's that agape love that fueled the heart of God. That's why he sent his son. This is real love. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a, as a what church? As a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the love of God. You know, um, the thing that turned me to Christ at the age of 18 was running into this agape love. When you have an encounter with the love of God and you see the love of God, it will change you. It will transform you. It'll do something inside of your heart and you just can't ignore it. You can't count it as common. It's just it's just revolutionary. Verse 11, John says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Over and over, you get this message as you look at the writings of love and you, and you look at the New Testament and you get this, this picture of, of your capacity to love is a sign of your relationship with God. I mean, God sent his son to the cross and we have this beautiful uh, vertical relationship, you know, between us and God. But, but God says, no, 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 no. Here's how, here's how I know how deep I go inside of you. How do you love your enemies? Not those who can love you back. How do you love those who've hurt you? How do you love those who've persecuted you? How do you love those? How do you love them? How do, how do you do that? Verse 13 says, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and, and he in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have, God have have God living in them and they live in God. We know, here it is again, verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. You hear that? You know what the devil loves? The devil loves hatred. The devil will use anger to get a foothold on your life. And little by little, you could have started off with this kind of love. But after some time has gone by, and after you've learned to be bitter and resentful and lust and all those other vices, your love can change. Your love can change. And you can go down to a much smaller love, still have the same knowledge, but that agape love is no longer running freely in your life. It's no longer running freely. In verse 17, he says, And as we live in God, our love grows more, what? Perfect. As we walk with God and God is in us, our love becomes more mature, more complete. It grows increasingly more. This is evidence. If you want to know what people's relationship with God is like, all you have to do is look at their love. All you have to do is watch their love. You just have to hear the words out of their mouth. You just have to watch the way they love, watch the way they serve, and that'll tell you how much God they have in their life. That'll t that's it. Jesus said, they will know you were mine by your love, by your agape love. So don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. You may say, oh, I know it, but you, your love's like this. Jesus will say, you know, you, you don't have a lot of God in your life. 
You don't have, you really have, you don't have a lot of Jesus in your life because those who are full of God are full of love and they love differently. Their love is extreme. Hear this, real love is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. That's how you love. It's like, well, this is inconvenient. That's how you love. In the second century, second century, Titus Flavius Clemens, better known as uh, Clement of Alexandria. He was describing the person who's come to know God. This is what the person who comes to know God looks like. He said this, he or she, right? impoverishes himself out of love. He impoverishes himself out of love. I love that phrase. So that he is certain he may never overlook a brother in need, especially if he knows he can bear poverty better than his brother. Wow. It's like, I, 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 can, I can bear poverty better than him, so I'll, I'll take the poverty. And if he suffers any hardship, because of having given out of his own poverty, he does not complain. Acts 2 describes this love in the early church. It says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in, with those in need. With those in need. You know, I'll just be honest with you. When I, when I, when I look at this agape love, um, <clears throat> today, you know, in my walk with my dog, I was like, God, I, I, I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm more here than I care to admit. You know, I'll just be honest with you. I feel like, gosh, God, I want to have this kind of love. But if I'm honest with myself, I think I'm, I think I'm closer to this. And, and, and that's terrifying. I think about the church. I think, gosh, do we really love like the early church? Do we really love like the early church? And I would say most churches don't. They really, really are. We're pretty self-centered, self-sufficient people. And I just have this hope. I have this hope that Thorn Creek Church is going to become full of, you know, six-gallon igloos, people. You know, <laughs> we're going to be just better lovers. And when people see our love, they'll be attracted to Jesus. They'll be attracted to Jesus. And that's my hope and prayer. That's my hope and prayer. Love is an action, not a feeling. It's an action, not a feeling. Sometimes you love even when you don't feel like loving. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to love. It's an action because love is worthless if you can't see it. Love means nothing if the other person doesn't see it. Love has to be an action. We're going to love on others. It has to be an action. Ultimately, isn't that what God agape loved the world did? He sent his son to be the savior of the world and he went to the cross for us. There was action behind that. He didn't say, yep, I love the world and didn't send his son. There was action behind it and we're called to love. I wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity, guys. I don't know what kind of love you have and where you feel like you're at <clears throat> or where other people feel like you're at. But I wanna encourage you to say a prayer. I wanna encourage you to say a prayer to go this direction. Just go this direction. Maybe you're here right now and maybe you feel like me a little bit. And maybe, you know, you're just, just say, God, I wanna go this direction. I don't wanna be selfish. In Philippians chapter two, you see Jesus, he emptied himself of all of his privileges. He humbled himself. He set aside his divine privileges and became a humble servant, even to the point of death on the cross. And I think that's the way you get to this place, is you have to empty yourself. It's no longer about you. It's not no longer about whether there was injustice or your feelings were hurt or how you were, whatever. It does, it's not about that because you have this agape loving God. 
And, 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 and scripture says, well, if you, if you really, if you really love, love God, then, then, you, then you'll have agape love. If you really know God, then you're going to have agape love. I want to say a prayer for you. Pray for some of you who need to move on to this bigger love. And then the other, the other thing I want to do is I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to agape love someone this week. Not someone who loves you back. Not someone who you like. Not someone who votes the same way that you do or feels the same way you do. Not that person. I want to challenge you to agape love someone. And, and you know, you, you know you, you did the right thing or you have the right person when their eyebrows are raised that you did that for them. That's how you'll know, okay, I got the right person. I'm going to agape love them. Maybe it's someone in your own house. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there needs to be reconciliation in your own house. Agape love someone. Oh, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us. And if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you say this prayer? Would you say, Jesus, right now I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Savior, to be my God. Have your way inside of me. Right now, as best as I know how, I want to become a Christian. Forgive me for my sins. I want to live for you. Others of you might need to say this, God, uh, my reservoir is not that big. My capacity to love is not that big. And, and Lord, I don't know, maybe I've drifted whatever, but today I want to ask you to increase my capacity to love. Put your agape love inside of me. I want to know you more fully, God. I want to grow up. I want people to see this love inside of me. And I want them to turn to my agape loving God, to you. Thank you, God. And Lord, I want to say one more prayer. I pray that you put a name in someone's head right now that they need to agape love this week. Just stir, stir their heart and, and make it clear to them that, that you want them to agape love that person. And, and I pray they put their love in action. I pray it's intentional, it's deliberate, it's clear. And may you, Jesus, be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for your good grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I got to share this prayer with you. This prayer is found in Ephesians chapter 3. And it's uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, there's a verse that Thorn Creek just holds on to. It's verse 20. But there's, uh, there's this prayer that Paul says for the church of Ephesus. And I thought this is so appropriate to share for you and for Thorn Creek Church. And here's Paul's words. He says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That beautiful God's love keeps you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. Say it together, church. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Glory to God. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinite 